What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the LA News Overtime Podcast, special Zoom edition. I'm Justin Lee. This is Adam Cole. Adam Cole. Hello. <laughs> Adam, <laughs> we're here because as Auburn is already in Oregon, they're out there. Uh, and and we're, we're, we're getting set to preview the uh, big super regional matchup, Auburn and Oregon State. And Adam, we have a guest. We do. Um, yeah, Adam talked to – who did you talk to, Adam? I talked to Les Garrett, the sports editor of the Corvallis Gazette Times, um, just a little bit. Kind of about the weekend. Um, we'll be thrown to that here in a bit. But, yeah, yeah. he's he's been covering that team all year. And, and I will say this much. I was someone who all weekend of the Auburn Regional was like, well, if they end up facing Oregon State, I have done no background work. Yeah. <laughs> and so I tell you what, he was pretty insightful. But, um, no, it'll be, I think, just in the bit of background work I have done since the end of the Auburn Regional, I think it's going to yeah. be a really interesting weekend. I think it'll be kind of a uh, – a litmus test, if you will, for just the, the you know, I, I guess the quality of this year's Auburn team. Because um, you, you think about it, and, and they lost the series to number one Tennessee. Um, they lost the series to an Ole Miss team that was ranked number one in the country when they played them. Sure. Uh, they lost the series to number three Oregon. Or, no, not number three Oregon. Excuse me, number three Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. Um, a little different. And this, this Oregon State, a little bit, a little bit, just, you know, about a about a whole country different, but um, this Oregon State team's number three in the tournament, and I'm pretty sure they were they were. I know they were. They held a top ten ranking for like basically all of the year. There was one sure. poll where they were like 21 at the start, um, and so I think you know if Auburn makes it out of this, I think it says a lot about where they are um, as a team, and and especially, I mean. You know, Justin, you had kind of alluded to it, but I think you'd kind of mentioned that this, them going to this super regional feels a lot different than mm-hmm. 2019. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, 2019, they went to a regional to, to, to Georgia Tech right down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then the super regional was at North Carolina. Um, but yeah, I mean, I figure they, they were seated worse because they didn't even host their own regional then. Uh, And I don't know if that team would have survived a cross-country trip like this. So uh, to go cross-country like this, uh, I don't know. I think for Auburn, it seems like it's going to be difficult. But at the same time, you kind of – I don't know. You kind of just hope that the meat grinder pays off for you. The fact that you've played – you know, you you hope that the SEC, which was built to be such a good conference, you hope that proof is proven true. And, uh, you know, maybe all of a sudden, you know, we'll we'll see what Oregon State's got. But – but I don't know. As far as what you've seen, I mean, they're good at the plate, right? They draw a lot of walks. Yeah, they're uh, they're, they're really strike, throw strikes. They're really disciplined um, at the plate, and they're Jacob Melton leads the team in like home runs and RBIs. Kind of their, I guess you could argue he's their designated slugger. But in, in talking to Les, you'll you'll hear it in a bit. Um, he he was kind of like I don't know that I would necessarily say he's their best guy at the plate. Um, he kind of pointed to Garrett Forrester, who's their first baseman. Um, and who kind of has a power aspect to his game, but I think has more walks than strikeouts this year. Um, so that's that, that'll be something to watch, just kind of top to bottom. They're, I think, pretty consistent. And then Cooper Jerpy um, is their number one starter. Um, Cooper Dick Hauser, Cooper Jerpy with the H. Nice. Um, but he'll be, he'll be a big test um, really this weekend and, and I guess Saturday night. Um, we've got a couple things 
Well, we've got a little more on him in, in, in this in this Zoom uh, podcast that you'll hear from Les. And then we've also got an article tomorrow um, in the paper that, that'll kind of highlight Jerpy and, and just kind of what makes him as good as he has been this year. But those will be... It is 68 degrees in Port Miles right now. I was telling Les, that sounds really nice. Dude, what if, what if we just lived in Oregon? I mean, come on. <laughs> Why not? Let's do it. But, uh... They got trees. They got trees. They got all right. People can I could screen share, but I'm not gonna. Uh, I'll just Google searching Corvallis. <laughs> Google what, searches Corvallis. Yeah. What a weird screen here. Uh, what a just uh, what a what a time. And then, like I think so. I think uh, football played Oregon State one time, and like I think Fergie looked and he was like the only oh, cursory glance. The only Auburn at Oregon State he could find was some volleyball game in 2004. Right. Like, these are two schools that just plain don't play each other. And, uh, but I mean, I don't know. You kind of see the, you see the, the resemblance, I guess, uh, you know, the Oregon, Oregon State, Alabama, Auburn. I think Auburn has kind of a, a kindred spirit with, uh, the Michigan States and, and maybe some schools like this. So it's kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, and this it, weird I, statue. I think it's interesting too, because it's like, I, you know, Oregon State, at least of late, has been a very good baseball program. I don't know that you sure. would historically call them one of the dominant ones, but I mean, they won a national title in 2018. Yeah. Um, so this is, I mean, this is a team that's not far removed from from that kind of success. And I was, I was impressed last weekend with Butch Thompson's ability to evade the question of Florida State because um, right. he always, but he always kind of had the same answer, which was just like the excitement of having. Florida State and UCLA here as these two sort of, you know, big historically dominant programs. Right. And now it seems like there's going to be another one that they could potentially add to the list of like, oh, yeah, we we beat them this weekend against right. Oregon State. Right. So that's another angle to it, I suppose. Adam, Not a massive one, but. Adam, what if I told you that Auburn has played this season the last three national champions? Wow, what a stat. Vanderbilt, like Mississippi State, and Oregon State, 2020 is canceled due to COVID. The last yeah. three national champions, all on Auburn's schedule, uh, did not play Florida, who won in 2017. That's crazy. I didn't yeah. even think about that. How about that, huh? The SEC, man. What a, what a, what a, what a, a row, uh, a rogues gallery, if you will, uh, for your Tigers, so... Hey man, we'll see, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll let's wrap this up and pitch to your 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 interview. Um, but uh, you know, one you got to win two, two out of three. Uh, you're going to Omaha. It's a big deal. That'd be a banner moment uh, for the program. Uh, let's see. This weekend we got some late games. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, uh, but we'll have it on the site. You know, if you're listening to this, you can just as easily find our stuff. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, late late games. We'll I'll, we'll both be up late. So yeah, Saturday Sunday night. That's a school night, man. People are gonna be. But you know, keep it coming. Just oanow.com. Monday morning, wake up, boom boom. Figure out right what there. happened. We'll let you know. Uh, other than that, uh, and we'll we'll see what see if game three is a, a reasonable time or not. But dude, West Coast time is crazy. I was there it, for when I was in Vegas and I was in there. I was like, dude, I can't do this for like. Well, it was nice because I was, I talked to somebody this morning for that Jerpy story in Portland and I was telling him, I was like, 
I, I had gotten up at like 10 this morning and I was telling him, I was like, I was thinking about it while I was brushing my teeth, how nice it would be if I was in Portland because I'd be up at 8 a.m. right now and my day would be starting at a yeah. reasonable time. Dude. So. In Vegas, like you wake up, it's nine and there's baseball being played. You're like what? Like 11 a.m. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like East Coast games start when you wake yeah. up. And you go, and in Vegas, you go to the sports book, people are there and they're gambling on it then. Uh, <laughs> it was crazy and like and like i don't know like but anything you want to watch like you got to race home because yeah. something that starts at eight eastern seven central which is most things honestly that's five pacific so they get off at five they have to race home to go see stuff i don't know it was weird it was a culture the time zone was a culture shock to me but i couldn't even handle eastern time when we were there for greenville for three days so Anyway, that all of that to say Justin that, Lee, anti-time zone. Yeah, I, I'm against it. Uh, <laughs> Les, we'll, we'll pitch it to Les uh, and uh, some insightful stuff. What all did you guys kind of talk about? Can you briefly sell, sell us on why we should keep listening? Yeah, we kind of went through the kind of the big my four my four talking points. Yep. We're kind of looking at last weekend for Oregon State. Um, okay. Yeah. Looking at Jerpy and the pitching staff. Jerpy looking and the boys. at yeah. Jerpy and the boys. That's a, <laughs> that's them. Yep, yep, yep. We we learned about them. Of course, you know the lineup. Um, yep. So we get we get a little in depth about that, and then just kind okay. of this weekend and what are going to be some of the big factors. Maybe how much weather does play into that. Um, and what less thinks it'll come down to. So awesome, awesome. Well, yeah, we'll we'll send it to them, Adam. Thanks so much, and we'll uh, we'll we'll catch everyone down the road. Here's here's Adam and, and Les. Hi everyone, I'm here with Les Garrett, the sports editor for the Corvallis Gazette Times um, in Corvallis, Oregon, where the Auburn Tigers will be this weekend for the Corvallis Super Regional and the NCAA Tournament. Um, and we're so happy to have Les with us here. Uh, Les, how are you doing today? Uh, very well, thank you. And Adam, thank you for inviting us to be part of this conversation. Yeah, of course. No, it's. I think this is, I know we were kind of talking about it, but I think this kind of gives a, a, a nice little um, um, angle or dynamic that, you know, either of our readers maybe didn't get before, um, for sure. But uh, I, I guess just kind of to, to jump right into it, um, you know, I, I know we've we've talked a little bit and, and exchanged some stuff for for a Q and A that um, you guys will be able to read um, in tomorrow's print uh, for the Opelika Auburn News. Um, but just kind of going off some of that, I, I, the first place I wanted to start was last weekend's Corvallis Regional. Um, you know, I, I wanted to ask you just generally what some of your kind of bigger takeaways were um, <laughs> from it in terms of just how Oregon State performed. Oregon State wasn't players or coaches weren't especially thrilled with everything about that Corvallis regional. Um, they admitted to being a really um, nervous jittery in their opening round game against New Mexico state. That could not have been a clearer example of one team playing with absolutely nothing to lose. Uh, New Mexico state comes into the tournament 24 and 32 if they hadn't won their conference tournament, they would not be here. Um, nobody's expecting them to advance out of the regional. Um, but, you know, they have some talented ball players. They have a very good pitcher who um, had a very strong outing. And they pushed the Beavers to extra innings on, on Friday night. And uh, Oregon State was, in, in hockey terms, they were squeezing the stick a little tight on Friday night. 
Um, they played better on Saturday in the win over um, San Diego, put 12 runs on the board there, had no problems in that game. Then on Sunday, um, Auburn, a team you, you folks are very familiar with, um, knocked San Diego out in the elimination game and then came out and basically ran the Beavers off the field on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, Oregon State just it was just not their night. They only scored one run. Uh, they lost eight to one. Um, in no phase of the game did they play at the level that they were really happy with. And then on on Monday, um, they gutted out a seven to six win, and that game went down to the ninth inning. Um, it really that's that regional didn't get decided until the ninth. Uh, the Beavers brought their ace back, Cooper Jerby, who who won Friday night's game. Uh, well, he didn't get the win because it went to extra innings, but he, he pitched well on Friday night. Then they brought him back on Monday uh, to pitch the eighth and the ninth. And uh, with one out in the ninth, uh, Vandy had a runner on first and that big Spencer Jones fellow, who's a nightmare at the plate. And he was the most outstanding player of the, of the regional and uh, Jerpy got him to uh, on a tapper back to the mound, and that was basically it. They could breathe a sigh of relief after that. But that was um, you know, that that regional went down to the wire. It was not um, clear sailing for the Beavers at all. Um, mm-hmm. They they had to fight all the way through the whole thing. Yeah, I, and I know I know one thing we kind of talked about a bit was. Um, you know, you had mentioned in, in part of your kind of Q&A stuff that the that Auburn's kind of a run at the end of the year, um, or not really a run, I guess, a, a bad stretch of games kind of, you know, against Kentucky in the regular season um, and then that SEC tournament loss. And obviously things kind of turned. Um, it, it seemed like to an extent here on the Plains that that was somewhat of a, you know, a chance for for them to reset, refocus, bit of a wake up call to a degree. Um, just like, I, I guess my question is the, the response, um, if, if there is one to anticipate or expect from Oregon State after having kind of a shaky regional, I mean, just how do you think that, that, that this Oregon State team will kind of, I guess, respond to that, considering they, they made it out and, you know, have another chance? They, they did. I, I think getting out of the, the regional definitely takes a little bit of the pressure off. At the same time, more or less the same dynamic is in play. They're the number three national seed. Uh, they spent a, a week sharing the top of the polls with Tennessee at one point late in the season. Um, this is a team with extremely high expectations. Uh, so it will be interesting to see if they handle the nerves a little better um, in, in the super regional than maybe they did in the regional. Um, one thing, the, these guys care a bunch they really want to, to bring another title back to Oregon State. And, and, and that's admirable, um, but you, it can sometimes lead you to press a little bit. And, and they pressed a little bit in the regional. And uh, the main guy that maybe pressed a little bit was Jacob Melton, uh, the Pac-12 Conference Player of the Year. He, he was one for 13 at the plate through the first, th- for, through the first three games of the regional which um, uh, that's as, as bad a stretch as he's had all season long. Now, he came through on Monday. He had, he had a two-run homer on Monday to help him get through that. So maybe that cleared, um, cleared things a little bit for him. He, he was definitely um, pressing a little bit in, in those early games of, of the regional. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, I know you had mentioned to me kind of the, I guess, the bottom third of, of Oregon State's order, um, for lack of a less cliche term, stepping up to the plate. Um, yeah. Of course, they quite literally did that, but just kind of their, their I guess, improvement maybe in the regional. Um, I, I just wanted to ask, too, you know, kind of what, what you saw from, from that lineup um, mm -hmm. beyond Melton last weekend. Well, to, to start with the bottom third of the lineup, uh, when we talked to the guys on the team about it, um, they were so happy uh, for, for those guys to have that moment um, and, and said that, you know, they've been working hard all season, um, that there have been times where they've hit some balls hard with nothing to show for it. And so it was nice to see that bottom third really come through. And, and they really did. They, they had an outstanding um, regional and, and really contributed. The, the top part of the Oregon State lineup, though, is, is really stacked. Um, it's not just the Jacob Melton show at all. Um, first baseman Garrett Forrester, um, teammates say he's the most professional hitter on the team. Um, he, he, he never has a bat at bat. He doesn't chase. He's never unfocused. Um, he, he, he has more walks than strikeouts on the season, which for a guy that, that hits with some power – is really remarkable in this day and age. Um, he's just a really good hitter. Justin Boyd, the right fielder, is having a great season. Uh, Gabe Meckler, or sorry, Wade Meckler, their, um, their left fielder, a scrappy little guy that's got a great story. Um, you know, to play at this level uh, didn't come easy for him. He wasn't handed anything. He's had an outstanding year. And uh, they've got a second baseman, a freshman from Australia, Travis Bizana who's just incredibly athletic, uh, fast, uh, fun to watch, uh, really good bat control. Um, he, he doesn't play like a freshman. He, so they, they've got a ton of line uh, of weapons all up and down this lineup. Um, and it sounds like to compete against Auburn, they're going to need every one of them. So. Yeah. It, it's funny you mentioned Forrester kind of having that that power element, but also that that play discipline. Because I, I know we talked a little bit about um, Sonny Deshera, but that's kind of, you know, I think a lot of people obviously look at home runs and, and think that's, a, you know, the barometer for being a really successful hitter if they're not, you know, maybe super well-educated on baseball. But that's always the thing that, that sticks out to me about, like, Deshera. And and that's what folks talk about, too, is the fact that he's he's a, a strike zone evaluator, I guess, as, as Auburn's coach, Butch Thompson would say, but he's, I know he leads the team in walks. I don't know if he has more walks than strikeouts, but I know he's, I think he's got 40 more walks than the next guy on Auburn's team this year. And so um, it, it's funny you, you, you mentioned that with Forrester, because that's certainly, a, I would say, a similarity um, on that. Yeah. Forrester just doesn't, he just doesn't have bad at bats. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, hitting a baseball is not a 100% of the time sort of um, endeavor, but he does go up there and have the at-bat he wants pretty nearly 100% of the time. And then the results, you know, see what happens. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Jerpy coming back at the end of the mm -hmm. Vanderbilt game. Um, yes. I, I wanted to ask you about him. Of course, you know, Golden Spikes Award, Dick Hauser Trophy finalist. Um, yes. What, what, what makes him – as good as he's been this year? Well, he's a lefty, which always adds just a little bit of spice. Uh, that, that thing is, the ball is never coming in on a straight line to you. Mm -hmm. um, it's always doing something. He's got a very good slider. When the slider is on, he, he, can, he can move through lineups 
pretty quickly. Um, he, he led the team, you know, in, in strikeouts by a wide margin. I think he's at 155 strikeouts this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he really, he is, he's a strikeout pitcher. Um, but he's also, he's just really competitive and intelligent. And, you know, in some days, some days after the game, you'll go and ask him, you know, what was working and what wasn't working. And he's like, you know, I, I just couldn't find the slider today, mm-hmm. um, which happens. Um, so then he just has to find ways to compete um, with his fastball and his changeup and, um, and, you know, and his off-speed pitches. But he, he just does that. He digs and he just, ne- he just never gives in. He, he yeah. never gets in. Um, this team last season, their, their season ended at the TCU Regional. They got knocked out by Dallas Baptist. And they got knocked out in a game in which kind of the pitching melted down. Mm-hmm. And it was a little bit of a, a summary of, of what the season had been like um, in walks and hit batters and wild pitches. And just uh, Coach Mitch Cannon just calls them free bases. And so he came into this season just on an absolute crusade against free bases. Um, I think he said in one interview before the season started, he didn't even want his pitchers to get to three to get to three balls. Yeah. Um, if you don't get to three balls, then you can't get to four. Um, and, and to a great extent, they've done that this season. And Cooper has really taken that on. Just doesn't want to give in, doesn't want to, doesn't want to walk a guy. Um, and, the, and the team has done much better at that. And honestly, um, at the moments where things have gone a little bit sideways here and there throughout the season, as they will, um, it's uh, those free bases, the walks, the hit batters, the wild pitches. Uh, those just the, the, the baseball gods make you pay for those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I know one thing, too, that you had kind of mentioned about uh, being a factor this weekend for, you know, I guess really both teams is, is the bullpen and, and things maybe coming down to that. Um, just beyond, you know, beyond Jerpy and, and kind of, I guess, really looking at Oregon State's bullpen. It's what, what stands out about that unit to you? They've got a lot of arms. They've got a lot of arms. Um, for, for long relief, they're, they're likely to turn first to, um, to Brock Townsend. He, he had a good outing at the, um, at, this, at the regional, the Corvallis Regional. And, and then they've got... Um, you know, three or four other guys that they just really trust in high leverage situations. Uh, Reed Sebi, uh, Ben Ferrer, and then they've been closing most of the year with um, the, with Ryan Brown, a freshman. Um, but I, I'm not sure that in a really high leverage situation, it, it might be Sebi or or Ferrer that they bring in, depending on the situation. They just those guys have really come through all season long and um, and and delivered out of the pin. Um, so yeah. Uh, and then they've got other arms that they throw, uh, that have, that have had some success, but that's the core group of relievers. And, you know, uh, this super regional is a little bit, bit less of a, of a bullpen stress test than a regional is, mm-hmm. um, a regional, if you lose a game, uh, you know, four games in, in, you know, three or four days, it's just a lot of baseball and a big test on your arms. Yeah. Um, so We'll be. I'll be curious to see if they get into the pin. Um, if maybe if if Mitch um, shortens that list a little bit and and goes straight to those high leverage guys or 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 who he who he goes to in those situations. Yeah, yeah. Was there any surprise at all when you saw Jerpy come out of the bullpen against Vanderbilt in that last game? No, not really. 
mm-hmm. as, as we all have, have come to, to learn over the years, you know, pitchers have those bullpen days that they come out and throw um, after their start. Uh, Monday would have been his bullpen day. Um, he told uh, Mitch before the game that, that he was good to go. Um, we, we asked him about it. His bullpen day, he typically throws about 20 pitches. Um, I, I don't think he exceeded that by a whole lot on yeah. Monday. Um, he exceeded it by some. I mean, he struck out mm-hmm. five of the six outs were by strikeouts. So, mm-hmm. um, so he's obviously pushing it. Um, but, um, but no, not at all surprised. And, and, his, and his competitiveness and desire to have the ball, absolutely no surprise mm-hmm. that, that he wanted to be the guy with the ball in his hand um, in, in the eighth and ninth against Vandy. And they needed him. Um, one, one more big hit, and who knows how that regional turns out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I guess just kind of pivoting to, to this weekend, mm-hmm. um, I, I know one thing that, that you'd kind of talked about too was the conditions. Um, I know I know Butch Thompson and, and some of the guys who talked yesterday before Auburn left for Corvallis got kind of asked about the conditions. Um, I, I'm curious if you've seen situations where, you know, and I'm assuming it would be non-conference teams coming in to Corvallis and, and playing in those conditions. But have you seen situations where the where the conditions in the Pacific Northwest have kind of had a what seems like a pretty apparent impact on on visiting teams? That's a that's a really good question. Um, nobody's ever gonna say it. Yeah. Um, nobody's ever gonna say it. Um, but the truth is, we sometimes in Corvallis play baseball on days that are not meant for baseball. Yeah. You're, you're, you, and, and your fans might see that on on Saturday night and on Sunday night. You might be looking at this, going, "What in the heck are we doing? Uh, we would literally never play baseball in these in this kind of weather." And, and you're right. You, you probably wouldn't play baseball in that kind of weather. Here, when the forecast calls for rain for the next three days, they just kind of push through and they play in weather you wouldn't think they would play baseball in. Um, it's obviously a first-class altar field. Um, the water is – there's no water buildup, so that's not it. It's just a question of physically playing baseball when it's not a drizzle. I mean, it's just flat out raining, you know, and sometimes it's raining hard and then they push through it. And obviously different umpiring crews will make different decisions. Um, we had one game, I believe it was against uh, rival Oregon this season, where we had a game get delayed an hour for first pitch. And then we had a mid-game rain delay. And we, we were after midnight and finishing that game up in cold, wet rain. That was just a that was a long night and heaven help us, but we, we, we may have to do that again on Saturday. And yeah. so, uh, well, cause they're going to get this in. Right. And mm-hmm. so um, it, it might not be terribly pleasant. Well, uh, we're not thrilled with it. It's not always, this has been a wetter than usual spring. There's no mm-hmm. question. Um, May was much wetter than, than a year ago. And we are now into June and um, and they're they're just calling for a lot of rain this weekend. Okay. Yeah. Definitely, definitely a factor. And it definitely, obviously, the ball is just not going to carry mm-hmm. in cold, wet air the same way it's going to carry on a on a hot summer afternoon. It's just not going to carry the same way. So we'll yeah. see how that means. Yeah. Well, that's kind of that's kind of everything I had. Um, you know, 
question wise, I guess really the last thing that I, I kind of wanted to ask, and I totally understand too, if it's, if it's not, a, I don't know. I know some folks aren't big on, on making straight up predictions of like what'll happen this weekend. Um, but I just wanted to ask, you know, I mean, do you, do you have a, a, a hard line prediction for this weekend, whether it's, you know, one team winning in, in three games or the other winning in two, or, or if not that, I mean, any predictions just about things that might happen this weekend? I, I think these are two, clearly these are two very good ball clean, ball, ball clubs. Um, I don't, I, I think you could probably expect it would go to a third day and in my experience in these sorts of tournament settings is that at the end of the day, if somebody can get outside of their bullpen late in the game, that's going to, that's going to decide it. And then if you, if you can't get outs in those high leverage situations at the end of the game, then that's going to, that's going to do it. I really think it's going to come down to which of both of these teams can hit clearly both of these teams can really hit the baseball. Um, so and, you know, depend, and if the starters do their jobs, then we'll just see, you know, coming down the stretch of these games, which bullpen can can hold up under the pressure and um, and close things out. Um, I have no idea um, what I believe Yogi Berra said, you know, making predictions is hard, is hard especially about the future. So yeah. um, we'll just uh, we'll sit back and, and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, this, this team wants it bad. Uh, Oregon State wants it bad. We'll see. That didn't necessarily serve them well uh, mm -hmm. in the regional, and we'll maybe see if they they handle the pressure a little better in the super regional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's honestly that's a that's an interesting. It's funny because on paper the concept of a team wanting it bad it's not necessarily it's expected if anything. But yeah. I know that um, I know that one thing that like Butch Thompson's talked about all year is it's kind of. Um, it's almost a broken record at this point is just talks so much about like process and yep. it's, it's less so about like, I, I, he kind of alluded to it at the end of, of the regional, um, last weekend and, and was very much like, he's like, my player's job is to really only look one pitch ahead. And, and, yes. you know, me and the coaching staff are really the only ones who shouldn't be looking, you know, or should be looking, you know, much more than a pitch beyond. And, and so it's, yeah. You know, I, I've yet to see, I'm curious to, I, I would be curious to see if that happened to Auburn at all this weekend, but I've yet to really see them press incredibly hard in, in any situation, except for maybe that, that run at the end of the regular season where they, they weren't doing that well. Cause that was, that was the talk of it when they asked, when they got asked what happened was it was just like, you know, the swings were getting a little too big and, and they were trying a little too hard. So, um, yeah, yeah. It sounds like it sounds like it'll be a weekend of, of teams that are kind of, you know, assuming Auburn can keep it up pretty, you know, pretty dialed in. The, clearly, whatever, whatever you guys are, are putting on your um, your Wheaties in the morning is working. I mean, that offensive performance in that regional is just, just astounding. Uh, UCLA is, is a good I, I don't I don't know much about your other two opponents. UCLA is a good baseball team. Yeah, they, that's a good that's a that's a good club. And so if you be, if you, if you beat them, you're, you're playing good baseball. Yeah. Well, sweet. Well, yeah. Les, I think that's really, it's really all I have for you. Um, I guess kind of signing off um, from here. Um, I'm Adam Cole. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Cole Reporter and I'm joined by uh, Les Garrett of the Corvallis Gazette Times. Les, do you, do you have a Twitter account that, that uh, we can plug or? Oh, um, we, you can follow along at um, 
uh, I think Corvallis Gazette Times, um, just our basic news feed, Twitter, we, we post some stuff. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for having us. It was fun talking baseball. Yeah, no, thanks for joining us. It was it was a good time. And if your if your fans are on their way, pack their wool socks and some gloves. There you go. They're gonna need them. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. All right.